Hello, everyone, and hey, everybody. welcome to the podcast. I'm using my radio voice as if I'm on the radio. I like it. Welcome to the fifth Sunday in Ordinary Time. Today's episode is brought to you by <laughs> Hot Pockets, <laughs> which are cold when the power goes out, and Coke Zero, which is practically empty, and I need more caffeine. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. It's the fifth Hello. Sunday in Ordinary Time. Hello. <laughs> Our readings today, you can find those on the usccb.org uh, website under the daily readings for Sunday, February 7th, Super Bowl Sunday. Our first reading today is from the book of Job. Job spoke, saying, Is not a man's life on earth drudgery? Are not his days those of hirelings? He is a slave who longs for the shade, a hireling who waits for his wages. So I have been assigned months of misery, and troubled nights have been allotted to me. If in bed I say, when shall I rise? Then the night drags on. I am filled with restlessness until the dawn. My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. They come to an end without hope. Remember that my life is like the wind. I shall not see happiness again. Our psalm comes from Psalm 147. Praise the Lord who heals the brokenhearted. Praise the Lord for he is good. Sing praise to our God for he is gracious. It is fitting to praise him. The Lord rebuilds Jerusalem. The dispersed of Israel he gathers. Praise the Lord who heals the brokenhearted. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He tells the number of the stars. He calls each by name. Praise the Lord, who heals the brokenhearted. Great is our Lord, and mighty in power. To his wisdom there is no limit. The Lord sustains the lowly. The wicked he casts to the ground. Praise the Lord, who heals the brokenhearted. Okay, and our second reading comes from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, if I preach the gospel, this is no reason for me to boast, for an obligation has been imposed on me. And woe to me if I do not preach it. If I do so willingly, I have a recompense. But if unwillingly, then I have been entrusted with a stewardship. What then is my recompense? That when I preach, I offer the gospel free of charge, so as to not make full use of my right in the gospel. Although I am free in regard to all, I have made myself a slave to all, so as to win over as many as possible. To the weak I became weak, to win over the weak. I have become all things to all, to save at least some. All this I do for the sake of the gospel, so that I too may have share in it. The gospel is a reading from Mark. On leaving the synagogue, Jesus entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Simon's mother-in-law lay sick with a fever. They immediately told him about her. He approached, grasped her hand, and helped her up. Then the fever left her, and she waited on them. When it was evening, after sunset, They brought to him all who were ill or possessed by demons. The whole town was gathered at the door. He cured many who were sick with various diseases, and he drove out many demons, not permitting them to speak because they knew him. Rising very early before dawn, he left and went off to a deserted place where he prayed. Simon and those who were with him pursued him, and on finding him said, Everyone is looking for you. He told them, 
Let us go unto the nearby villages, that I may preach there also. For this purpose have I come. So he went into their synagogues, preaching and driving out demons throughout the whole of Galilee. We invite you at this time to reflect on these readings. Take a few minutes with the people that you um, are with and then come back and discuss the readings. Man, that first reading's rough. Um, I'm going to go on to the second reading <laughs> just for my own sanity. Uh, if I preach the gospel, this is no reason for me to boast, for an obligation has been imposed on me, and woe to me if I do not preach it. Um, I think it's such like such an important line there from, from St. Paul that you know he understands that this is a responsibility that he's been blessed with, and he, so it's good to share that. And I, and I think that's something that, for me, um, you know, I, I got into ministry before I was even baptized, and, I, and once I was baptized, I understood even more so the responsibility that I had to make sure that the faith was something that I passed on. And, and you know, at that time, it was passing it on to junior high students, uh, then to uh, a new parish and all of the the students there and then another parish and I always felt like it was growing the family of people that we were sharing the good news with and that they shared with others and now having my own family the understanding that like my job as um, the, the father to my children the, the husband to my wife is to continue to pass on the gospel the good news um, through through word and through example um, I've never been a fan of the idea of uh, preach the gospel at all times and if necessary use words but I, I and the reason why is because I think people think that that means that you don't actually have to know the gospel or preach the gospel and and clearly we are called to do that we are called to take part in that and yes we should live our Christianity, our, our Catholic faith to a volume and to a, um, as an example to people that they understand who we are, uh, but also to share in the gospel, to share in the life of Jesus Christ uh, through the gospels uh, with other people so that they can take part in that same good news is extremely important. So as we were going through the readings, that really stood out to me that St. Paul talked about that. I really like um, in the, I guess it's kind of present in all three readings, but especially in the first reading, um, like this is this is a pretty miserable reading. I mean, that, that's there's no going around that. That's, that's what he's actually trying to express as he's speaking here. Um, it's, it's a rough time. Uh, everything has been taken away from Job. Um, all that he had, uh, all of his family, everything is just gone, and he doesn't know why, and his friends are trying to convince him it's his fault, and all of this is going on, and so it's just it's just a miserable time. Um, and I think that, um, in a sense, it's like, wow, that's that's sad. But also, I love that this sort of thing, and this is not the only example of this, but this is in the, that this is in the Bible, that there are moments like this that we still follow up with, praise the Lord who heals the brokenhearted. Because a lot of times, I feel like, at least in my own life, it's been a temptation to see Christ and um, you know God in general, or the Bible, all of that, as sort of a cartoon version of it. Um, and growing up, I had a little cartoon Bible thing, which you know is great. But I feel like there was a lot. Of, there's a lot of places in my life where that's still the image I have, sort of like a 
a plastic happy Jesus that's just doing stuff, um, being nice. But no, like th- this is the kind of thing that he's entering into. Mm-hmm. Um, the real suffering and the miserable times that we really do have, like that's that's what he came for. Um, and then like Paul says in the second reading, he says, I've, um, in order to gather to Christ all those who are in those moments, he was willing to accept them as well. I, to the weak I became weak, to win over the weak. Um, become all things to all to save at least some. And then Jesus, you know, it's, it's less obviously the, the point, if you will, in this part of the reading, but when he enters the house, the first thing he does is heal Simon's mother-in-law who's been sick. Um, and so it's just a reminder of like, this is, this is real stuff. Um, God is not just here to be nice. Uh, he's here to actually enter into these really awful moments that we have and the, be- and the greatest moments um, and to elevate them to uh, himself and to bring us to himself. And so I think that's a good reminder anytime we feel like God doesn't really know what this whole suffering thing is like. It's like, no, he, he very much does. I have to look at the passion, you know, to, to kind of culminate that. But he really does. Yeah, I feel like I really wanted to pull something from this first reading, kind of as hard as it is. But I think similarly, like he's not saying this to say that he's, a, in the first reading, Job isn't saying this to say he's abandoning his faith or that, like, this is it for him and just it's like that's all that this reading is but it's more so to like acknowledge the reality of true mourning and pain and sadness and actually be present in that and then you know recognize God's presence in that and then to find hope that Christ enters our lives in the best and worst moments and everything in between I think as you talk about that of that suffering um I think it's just the, that greater reminder of like that we're being accompanied through our suffering and that like the challenge as hard as it is to just kind of walk away from other people when they're suffering to like sit with them in it even when there's nothing we can really do about it um, which I think is often a challenge as a minister um, I want to help people I want to fix things um, I want to make them better um, and sometimes we can't, um, but knowing like our presence and uh, support and companionship, um, and that accompaniment is is valuable and, and necessary. And often it's letting it pass and letting um, the ebbs and flows of life because it just happens. Um, but I think that also brings us to the gospel. Um, of the people that were ill, like, bringing their suffering to Jesus and, like, not stopping, even though things were difficult and um, the people that were ill and, I guess, possessed by demons, um, and they were just eager to go find Jesus and to to bring others to him. Um, And I think it's, like, them giving everything they have to Jesus with the passion and the desire to be healed um, even though they feel like there's not a lot that they have to give um, but like in any moment like what can we give um, almost out of poverty versus uh, you know it's like okay here's a great moment like I'm going to give it to Jesus but like even in our suffering and our illness um, how can we give that to him as well 
And I think Job's honesty here is similar to the question that we ask of like, why, why does God allow suffering uh, in our lives? Why does God allow pain in the life of people who are good? And if you, if you read through the book of Job, you know, God kind of answers that question. And it's not an answer that we necessarily like, but it's an answer. And that is, my ways are not your ways. You know, and, and then you you hear that answer, and, and it's frustrating because it's not what you want to hear, but it's also an understanding that, like, I will do what I can to, you know, like in the psalm, to, to heal those that are brokenhearted. Uh, and we know that, that Job, who says, I shall not see happiness again, ends up being blessed double of everything that he had before. Um, so with all of the suffering that does take place sometimes there are blessings that we don't even uh, recognize in in those things so uh, and I, I will say you know you see the same thing in the gospel these people who pursued him you know they, they recognized uh, how great he was and so they they chased after him it wasn't like they were waiting for him to come to them like he was they were ready to go after him um which i think is is kind of a testament to who jesus was that they knew exactly who he was and what he what he could do um and they seek that out i think one thing to just bring us back around kind of what we're talking about suffering and then also you talked about your um your dislike of the phrase "preach the gospel at all times" when necessary, right? Um, and I, I, I definitely agree with you there. I think, um, but as we we're just looking through this, as we were talking about it just now, um, thinking about the the answer that Job gets, the only way that he's able to, um, the, whatever the end of his misery is, um, is when God shows up and begins to speak to him and reminding him of his power. And just thinking about that comparing to um, in the second reading, where Paul says, um, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. And just thinking about how many people, you know, we, we think about, um, we're often hesitant to use words when we're preaching the gospel because we think that other people, you know, have already made up their minds or they don't want to hear it or they're going to think differently of us. But, Really, at the core of it, it's about bringing Christ into those places like Job's misery. It's that other people need Christ. They need him in a way that um, God has sent us to, um, to bring him into. And so, you know, just the idea of like, well, I don't really, I don't want to impose my beliefs or whatever. And you don't have to be a jerk about evangelization. There are ways to do that well and poorly, but... To think about it in the in the sense of, yeah, people need to hear this message. People need to know that God cares about them and is here and is real. And um, you know, woe to me if I if I don't play my part there. If I don't share with someone around me the awesome thing that I have. Um, you know, what am, what am I doing? Do I really appreciate it myself? Um, and just that everyone really does need to hear that. And that all of us as Christians, like he's, Paul says just before that, it, it's an obligation that's been imposed on me. Maybe not in the same way. We're not all called to totally you know, abandon everything that we have and go preach the gospel around the country the way he did with you know, Greece and the places in Europe. But 
we all have the obligation to share this gift that we have because everybody else needs it. Amen to that. We are glad you joined us. Um, we hope these are um, fruitful discussions that you have as we journey closer to the Lenten season. Um, we will be back with you next week. Have a great weekend. Bye. Bye.